You know, this weekend we, um, some people from uh, um, the West, oh, you know, the, 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 the Swartland, you know, those farmers and people there, they, they had a bike rally. It wasn't like, yeah, it was just a lot, a lot of bikers come together. And um, they invited me, so I went with. And this, there was this lady with us in the house that, um, so I said this morning I was supposed to share something with the people. And uh, she said she, she will not come because she doesn't believe what we believe. She's from another faith. So I said to her now, what faith are you of? And then, but I could see she's very friendly and, you know, you can see she, she enjoys life. You know, she, if I look at all of them there, she looked the happiest of them all. So I said to her, I said to, I, I said to her what type of faith you, you are of? She says, no, she doesn't, she doesn't really want to speak about that. Now the first thing that came to my mind is, if what you believe, you cannot speak about it, it's not worthy to speak about. Because if what you believe doesn't even make you happy enough, and doesn't even include another person, you know, and she's just a few of us that believe this, so we don't, I don't want to talk about it. So I was just thinking in my heart, there I am, you know, I, wherever I go, I just share this gospel with drunk people, with wherever we go, we, somewhere we start to talk about Jesus. And it's because of what Vessel said, it's not my life that I try to live, but it is a life that was prepared for me that I stand in now. And I see that life being lived inside my body. And that God was always a God that communicated and spoke to and has been good to His people. All the time. So I want to encourage you. You know, there's two things we don't do. We don't take the worldly standard that the world says, what is success? Because if you go to the Isle of Capri, um, you need $8,000 pair of shoes or you're nothing. Now that is a 70,000 rand pair of shoes. And then, you're really a nothing if you wear those shoes more than once. You know? Because you don't do that. Because then you're not in. Because that's where the movie stars hang out. So they've got their standard of righteousness by worldly standards. And for them, they will believe that, you know, at least God must give me five of those pairs of shoes. Because, um, you know, how can God say He's a provider if He doesn't provide that? Because that's their standard. And we've got a different standard here. And in the squatter camp, they've got a different standard. That's why God came and gave His standard when it comes to earthly things. He says, if you've got food and clothes, be happy. So that means everybody's more than rich. Hallelujah! So we can now live content. Isn't that easy? (laughs) That's easy. So we can start to live like people that God provides for. You don't have to look at the worldly standard and think your God is not good. Look at the standard He's given. And the standard He's given is, I make you above worldly things that can never be bought with money. Is He came and He gave us His very being as a gift. So that, that which you can never attain by our own works. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55.
from verse 8. Listen to this. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And there's, a, there's another scripture in the Bible where, where it talks about His thoughts and our thoughts. Where it says His ways are higher than our ways. And, uh, um, which confirms what it, what it says here in Isaiah 55. And so many times when we come to God's thoughts is higher than our thoughts, we've got this mystical idea of, you know, God has got this thought that nobody's ever going to know about. And it is this weird love. You know, he, he will take away something from you to teach you something so that you can come closer to Him so that you can love Him more. It's like um, my sister wrote this thing. Um, did, I, did I read it last time? Here. She wrote, she says, My daddy. He says, He's so good to me. He bought me a dress and a doll. And if I behave, I can keep it. Whenever I play with him, I must first take a bath because he didn't like me when I did it. Isn't that terrible? But that's my daddy. You know? My daddy bought me a bicycle. It's in the garage. I've seen it. I've already seen it. And if I clean his shoes ten times, then I can get the bike. I've, cl- I, I've, I've cleansed it. I've, I've cleaned his shoes seven times, only three times to go. I've got a wonderful daddy. <laughs> you, so, sometimes that is the idea. Now, I can't get the whole thing out of my mind, but she wrote this, this letter, which is actually shocking. And to, to just to take God and put him in a normal father. And we realize that we will never trust such a person. She said, he, he put me out in the car, it was so hot in the car, and he left me there, and I called for him, and then after some hours he came and opened me up, now I know I can trust him, that if I call on him, that he will come. Oh yeah, and I, another one. He gave me a coloring book, but then he said that he gets jealous if I, in, and I like coloring in so much, but he gets a bit jealous if I do it too much, so he took the book away, so now I can spend more time with him. I don't know what to say, but at least I'm spending time with him. And that's the picture people have of God. <laughs> He's going to take my stuff away, because he wants me to know more of who he is, so that we can love him. Because it's all about him. You know, he's so uh, uh, obsessed with himself. And all he wants is you must love him and all he wants is worship. I want to tell you, you are not called. uh, God didn't create you because there was a need of worship. Imagine you create people because you need worship. I've got children. I, 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 I... I mean, I've got three sons and they discover that the purpose that I've had them for was so that they can tell me how good dad I am. That's sick, man. Isn't it? Now you are here. Daddy, what's my purpose? Just to tell me how good I am. That's why you are here. But why do I also feel desire for other things? Why do I also... Well, that's wrong. 
You tell me how good I am all the time. And do you know what's going to happen when you go to heaven one day? That's what you're going to do anyway. So get used to it now. And then if you do it good enough, then I will appear with my presence and heal some of you. Huh? <laughs> you can't serve such a God. And that's what, that's what people understood when it comes to God's ways is higher than our ways. And His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But that's not what the Scripture talks about. Man's thoughts... Um, in Ezekiel, there's a scripture which says, man's thoughts is thoughts, or, or Jeremiah, to punish people for their sins. But God's thoughts is how they can be forgiven. Listen, David said it so beautifully. He, uh, um, he, he counted the people, I think I've mentioned here before. He counted the people, then um, the prophet came to him and said, you can choose now. If you want to be judged by the people... Or if you want to be judged by God for your sin. He says, if God's judgment come, this is how you'll be destroyed. If the people's judgment come, or by people, this is how you'll be destroyed. So what do you choose? And God's judgment was much more fierce than that of people. Then David said, give me the judgment of God. For with Him there is mercy. But not the judgment of man. Let me tell you something. If you've cheated the tax man, you rather want to stand before God than before the tax man. They don't have mercy. But what makes God, God, is the fact that He has got mercy. And mercy is to treat you better than you deserve. And we're going to see here what mercy is. Mercy is to literally place you in the place where God is. Free from your works. To take a guilty person that does not measure up to the level of God, that will never measure up, never place any demand on him, and put him where, in, the, in the place where God is. Now this is what it says in Isaiah 55. Let's read it again. It says from verse 10, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and returns not um, back, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my words be that goes forth out of my mouth. So here he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts and ways are higher than yours. And this is what it is. My thoughts that I think is, what I speak will happen. It's going to come forth. So shall my words be that go forth from my mouth. It shall not turn unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now that scripture has always been used in our life when we, um, we want something from God. You know, then we say, no, I believe God gave me this word and we're going to have it. And, uh, you know, we're going to have that house or we're going to have that thing. Or we're gonna, and His word is not going to return void. But that's not the context of the scripture here. The context of the scripture here is much greater than that. It says, for you shall go out, listen to this, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in singing. 
and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to you, um, and it shall be to you the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Thus is the Lord. Okay, then it goes on with keep his, um, his judgments, talk, talking about the good news to keep that. So here he says that he's got a word and he's got a way that will accomplish what he says. And what was his word that he spoke? It was Jesus. He spoke Jesus. And his word did accomplish in us who believe and for all those that don't even believe what it had to do. So that we now can go forth with peace. Isn't that wonderful? So what he did, he did so complete that we today can always walk with peace. And the mountains and the hills. Maybe the Lord wants to say something. <laughs> Is it not him? Okay. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I will. I will do that. So, um, what what we can know is one thing for sure, is that God definitely accomplished, and it's not He will accomplish. There's one thing that will still be accomplished, and that's the perfection of the planet and our new bodies. But beside that, which will happen in the return of Jesus, which He will do, which we don't have to work up by our own faith. Everything has been done and the mountains will break forth. So in other words, whatever was a mountain, whatever was something that you could not cross over, became a plain. And the trees of the field shall clap their hands. In other words, there will be joy in the house of God for what God has done. And what He has done will be for my peace. Amen. Not to satisfy him in the same sense of he's now angry, now he's going to feel better. Now we will have peace with God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when it comes to uh, uh, the chastisement of the Lord, um, which we read in Hebrews 10, it, it's very easy. Sometimes we think the ways of God is higher than our ways, so he will chastise us so that we can come closer to him. And by chastising, we mean. People think that he will uh, make my business go bankrupt because I didn't pray enough. God doesn't have to make your business go bankrupt. It's very difficult to run a business in this world. You know, so it can become bankrupt without even God trying to do it. So, um, in this world, I believe God does not use circumstances to teach us. Because we've got the Holy Spirit as a teacher that teaches us. So, how did God discipline? And if you go and read the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew people were Jewish people that loved the law, that gave their whole life for the, for the, um, for the spreading of the law of Moses. They had the temple that was standing there that took 46 years to build. They had all those rituals. They believed in the law of Moses from beginning to end. Remember, many of those people had their wives and children stoned in front of their eyes because of sins they've committed. Okay? Now imagine your son gets stoned because your neighbor caught him with another woman and they said stone him and you saw how by the commandment of the law your son died. 
And you can't go against that law, you must be for that law. And now somebody comes and writes a book and says, don't worry about that law, it's all over now. That is the chastisement. The chastisement was, it was painful for the Jewish people to hear by the writing, by writing the book of Hebrews that the law has been fulfilled. Saying you don't even have to go to the temple. You don't have to stone anybody anymore. It's not needed anymore. That time's over now. Huh? But yesterday my daughter was stoned. So that will want to make you fight for the law. Because of what you've lost and what you've paid for that law. And that's why the, the writer of the book of Hebrews said, listen, this is a painful thing. It's, God loves you. You are children. So now, because they were believers, but they still cling to the law. He says, you can leave this now. It's all over. It is painful. So the fact that it's so painful, but that God tells you this, is a sign that you are the children of God. So please come to Him. He's, and then uh, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews explained everything in detail from chapter 1, so they could understand what the true purpose of the law was pointing to Christ, so they don't even have to really feel that it was not needed. But they misinterpreted it, and then they got hurt that way. And that is what that scripture in Hebrews 10 means. So if God comes and chastises us, um, it's like what I said many times with tithing. If I come to you, and I write you a letter, and I say to you, listen, you don't have to tithe to be blessed. But you've been tithing for 35 years. Faithfully. (coughs) Is it going to feel nice? You've been in arguments with people about the tithe. You wrote three books about it. (laughs) And now, you've preached publicly, saying, you know, you must now. Now you must go and say, listen, um, I was wrong. And uh, I must also acknowledge that I did actually manipulate you guys to get this money out of you and what. It's going to be very difficult. And that writing will be a very harsh chastisement. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 8. So I want to just say God's ways is higher than our ways. And now we're going to look at some of the higher ways. Amen. John 12 verse 23. And Jesus answered, and answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, that is a powerful, powerful scripture. In the cell meeting uh, in the week, I, I spoke about that, or was it the previous one? I don't even know. But um, it's so powerful, it says, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, Son of Man, there is Son with a capital S, speaking of Jesus. Now, you must know, when you read the Bible, the Bible... In the, in the New Testament speaks more in the four Gospels of Jesus as the Son of Man than the Son of God. Because the emphasis was that He was a man. God was already God, but the thing was that God came into a human being. So now, here was Jesus, born of a woman under the law. So where did He get His spirit from? He got it from God. Where did He get His flesh from? From Mary. So he was born into sinful flesh, which was not glorified, which was of this earth. But then he said, it's the time that the Son of Man must be glorified. Now that is awesome. 
Because when he's, whenever the Bible speaks of the Son of Man, it includes me and you. It includes the whole human race. It includes us all. That's what it talks about. That means that was for us all. So what he was saying is, the time has now come where I am going to die so that glory can come to you. For if I can be glorified in my resurrection, then you can be glorified. Now, the apostles didn't understand that. I think with the understanding what we have today, if Jesus would have said, listen, He would have been doing miracles and all those type of things. We would have seen those signs and the wonders, the dead being raised and everything. But then we would have been waiting. When's the time of glorification of the Son of Man? Because that's the time for my glorification. Because when He's glorified, I am glorified. Because if Adam could make me a sinner, then Jesus can make me righteous. If Adam could make me a sinner without my works, then Jesus can make me righteous without my works. I said to somebody the other day, can, if, if, if you are um, if, if you're a, a Satanist, but you do good works, in other words, you give to the poor, you, you help the needy, you do all those things as well, are you going to be saved because you do those good works? No ways. Your works cannot save you. So if you're a Christian and you believe on Jesus and you don't do a good work, are you not going to be unsaved? If your works cannot save you, it cannot make you unsaved. It doesn't possess the power to make you anything. It's only a fruit of what you believe. That's all. It's a fruit. Amen. It's not the apples that make the apple tree an apple tree. It must first be an apple tree. You can find an apple tree without apples. It's still an apple tree. So if you don't bear fruit, it doesn't make you that you're not a Christian. If you've got an apple tree in the yard, I mean, it's not, and the purpose is the fruit, and there's no fruit, I mean, it's not, I mean, why is it there? Maybe it can give you a little bit of shade, but that's it. But it doesn't change the fact that it's an apple tree. So I want to say to you that when it comes to the gospel and Jesus walked this earth, I mean, if the disciples understood, they would have said, oh, hallelujah, look at what he just said. The one apostle would have said to the other one, did you hear that? The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Hallelujah! Jesus is going to die. If, you, if we could understand that. But then their hearts were filled with sorrow. Because they didn't understand. Because their Christianity was all about having Jesus with them and having this wonderful leader and showing them the way. And they were also tapping into a little bit of the power, doing some of the miracles as well. But there was a higher, much higher way of life than just having Jesus with you. There was a way of life where you could become like Him. Where He could actually indwell you. Where you could be born of Him. And He says, the time has come for the Son of Man. That the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, now listen to the glorification scripture here. Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Now that is wonderful. Jesus said, unless he dies, he cannot bear fruit. So, if I take a milli seed, 
and I put it in the ground. It dies. But it brings forth a plant with many seeds that is exactly like the seed that died. Possessing the very same power. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? So, he talks about the glorification of man. Now, here he was. It is time that the Son of Man must be glorified. So, it's time that I must die so that I can be raised up and that many people can be, that, that I can bear fruit in having many people like me. Nothing less. A millipit, man, as you geplant it, and I don't come up. Hy maak nog millies as jy hom weer plant. Got, it looks exactly the same. You cannot take the two and tell a difference. It's the same. If you've got a, a bag full of it and you st- could still have the original one and mix it in between the others, you will not be able to find that one. And I am a false art. It's impossible. That's why John says that I will pray the Father and we will be one. I'll be one with you. You'll be one with me. The Father and I will be one. And you and the Father will be one. So now, where does God start and where do you start? It is all one. We became one in Christ. We became one with godliness. We became one with God. And we today are in the very likeness of God free from any of our works, for we have been glorified by the death of Jesus. So we can stand today and say, I can come before the Father. I mean, when Jesus was on earth and He was that seed, was He ashamed to be that seed? Did God look at that seed and find fault with that seed? No, no, we're just saying, worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Didn't find anything wrong with it, no fault with it. In the same way, if he does not die, he cannot bring forth fruit that's just like him. Now, in the same way that Jesus was not ashamed to call himself the Son of God, in the same way that he was not ashamed, the Bible's in John 13, he says, he took a towel, he says, knowing that the Father has given him all things, he took a towel, girded himself, and washed his disciples' feet. He knew the Father gave him all things. He wasn't ashamed to say the Father gave him all things. So today, because we have been glorified by the death and the resurrection of Jesus into a new life, being born of God, we can say the same. Because of Him. Hallelujah. Now the next verse. Many people struggle with this one. He that loves his life shall lose it. Yeah, there goes your car. And your nice house. And he that hates, <laughs> listen, he that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. That's a nice scripture to edify the body of Christ. Amen. So if you love your life, you're going to lose it. Now you say, but I love my life. If we must be honest, you know, and the moment you and the problem that we have today is we don't understand what was written in the Jewish context here, because when we say we love our life, because our life, Jesus says, 
does a man's life consist out of the things he possesses? No. Life is more than that. Life is more than what you possess. So even to the person that doesn't believe in Jesus, his real life is more than what he possesses. But what we've done is we've made our possessions our life. And now we say, uh, we take the scripture and says, he that doesn't, uh, he that loves his life, in other words, loves the things he possesses. Because our con- concept of life is what we possess. And where we stay, and who our friends are, and all those type of things. But that's not your life. Your life is much more than that. Your life is what you believe. Because the Bible says, guard your heart with all things, because out of the heart flows the force that drives your life. Your life consists out of what you believe. So what do you believe? If you, and I want to use a different word there, if you don't hate what you believe, If you don't hate your life, saying to people that was thinking that by their works they can be saved, if you don't hate what you believe, if you don't hate this law life, and we think we must tolerate the law life as Christians and make room for the law life. No, no. If you don't hate it, you will lose the life that Christ has given you. (coughs) Huh? It's not, oh, you know, we, we just, in my life, oh, you know, a little bit of here, yeah, a little bit there, and we, you know, thank you, Jesus, you made me righteous by your blood, but here I'm just going to make sure by my works, you know, and um, thank you for your presence, but we'll pull it down. What you gave in Jesus, you gave us some presence, but, you know, uh, uh, your supply is just a little bit less than what we really need, so we'll just pull some, some down, some more for ourselves here. Don't break a sweat, we'll do it ourselves, Lord Jesus. <laughs> no, no. Let's read it again. Remember, our life does not consist out of the things we possess. That's not just for the believer. It's for everybody. A person whose whole life, who's not a believer in Jesus Christ, his life, everything he does, is born out of what he believes. That's it. What you say, what you do, wherever you go, how, how, it's born out of what you believe. How you think about people, it's born out of what you believe. So your life, the source of your life, your real life is your belief system. What was the verse there? John 8, huh? 20, 20 something. Okay. Sorry, I'm in John 8. That's why I can't find it. Right. 12, yeah. <clears throat> Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat, okay? He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world. Now, it doesn't say... When it talks about this world in, in, in the New Testament, please church, um, don't always read every time when it says world, you see planet. When it talks about this world, it was talking about the world system of that time. Which said, this world, remember John chapter 8, it says, he came to his own, his own didn't know him. He, said, he came into the world, but his own didn't know him. So he talks about the world actually as that old Jewish system or the law law system. 
That's what it talks about the world. There's places in scriptures where it talks about the world, when it talks about the planet which God made. But most of the time in the New Testament, Paul says, why are you worldly? And obey commandments like, touch not, handle not, do not. So worldliness is lawfulness, in the sense of, to have the law in your life, and have uh, 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 um, justification by your works. Okay, to be full of law. That's called worldliness. So he says here, if he loves his life, uh, he that loves his life shall lose it. He that loves this law life will lose the very life that belongs to him, that was already given to him by Jesus. Shall lose it. You know, when I was there that, at, at that uh, uh, meeting there with the bikers, you know, my heart, my wife and I were on the way here. You know, when I think of it, I want to cry. Because I've got no problem with somebody drinking himself drunk. No condemnation in my heart. But when I see the absence of this belief system in his life, my heart breaks. Because that's just a fruit. It's like when somebody's sick in the, in, in, in the hospital. You're not angry with him because he's got cancer. I mean, why do you, you will not go and judge him. You've got cancer. You're a sinner. You're not going to do that. I mean, you've got pity on him. You want to help him. And that's what I saw. And I, I looked at people, they like this other lady, you know. It's like, she was the friendliest there and whatever, but I think what, what, what she said broke my heart the most. And we, we, I went everywhere and I shared, you know, one man made you a sinner, one man made you righteous. And the one guy, I came into the bar there, we're playing pool there, sitting there in the bar talking to people. And the other, um, the, 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 I came in there, but the one guy was like a drunk. So he said to me, Dominique! So these guys were really boozing and whatever. And the problem was not what they did. The problem was the life they love. Not, not the sinful life. The belief system of by my works that makes him so tired that he's driven to those extremes. That's the whole source of the whole thing. And then I started to speak to one guy there. He said to me, you know what, what bothers him the most? He says, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in works and all of those things, but this one thing we must realize, and that is that many people are hypocrites, and we should not be hypocrites. And I was thinking by myself, say, says the hypocrite. Because we're all hypocrites. We are all, if I take our life, we are all hiding something. You are all doing something that you don't want somebody to know. Isn't it? It's, it's very easy to, to test that. We can have a lie detecting test two weeks from now. We can put your hands in and I'll ask some questions. And the answers we can display to everybody. Here. If you don't want to take it, it means there's something you're hiding. <laughs> okay, so everybody, nobody's coming to the service. So, okay, we're not having the test. We're not having the test. So, we, we must realize, you know, and that's the whole thing. Man, the world system, what I saw in everybody there was not this one smokes, this one drinks, that one swears. That's not what I was seeing. I was just seeing the major sin in their life was unbelief in the truth about what happened 
to them. There's a life already created, like Vessel said, beforehand for them that they can step into right now, like a limousine they can just get into with a driver called the Holy Spirit and they can sit inside this new life and the Holy Spirit will drive that life around. That's what's available for them. That has already been created for them. Already. They can just walk in. But their unbelief, their worldliness, loving the world life, the life of law, the life of I must produce, the life of I must be something, is killing people. He that loves his life shall lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If a man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now listen to this. This is awesome. It says, every, if, if, any man, if any man serve me, let him follow me. So if you say that you are serving Jesus, follow Jesus. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? To follow Jesus is something that you must do so that you can be where he is. Now let's just read it again. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. So if you are a servant of Jesus, and you follow him, you will be where he is. So what's the fruit of really now serving and following Jesus? The fruit is you'll be where he is. Now remember the, the incident in John 13. Paul, uh, 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 Peter came. and Now re- remember, this is now John 12. John 13, the last part, Peter said, I will lay down my life to be where you are. Then Jesus said to him, You lay down your life? You're going to lay down your life so that you can be where I am. No. Die hoener gaan verseker kraai, want jy my al drie keer verloon. Huh? That's what he said. And then Jesus explained what it is and what needs to happen to be where he is. He says, I will lay down my life. And then you that believe in me. Because as you believe in God, but believe in me. In my ability to place you where you need to be. And don't trust in your own ability. Peter was really committing that sin that Jesus was talking about there in John chapter 12. Where he says, you must hate your own life. But he loved his own life and said, my life is worthy to be laid down to be where Jesus is. But your life is not worthy. He said, hate that life. Say, I hate the thing where I must sacrifice so that I can be where God wants me to be. But I love the thing that says, He sacrificed so that I can be where He wants me to be. I believe in God and I believe in the ability of Jesus to do that for me. So if you say you serve God, believe Jesus. That is following Him. But what we do is we say, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus... But you don't follow Jesus. You still follow Moses. Who are you following? I think that's the question. Who's the world following? We we must be at a place where we we, we cannot tolerate that belief system. And I tell you people, it is so 
deep into our hearts. You know, a very good, a very good friend of mine phoned me, said to me, Bertie, you know, I live in fear. Uh, uh, the financial thing, you know, with the economy and whatever, people have big business. You know, it's, I live in fear. Things are going down, man. And I live in so much fear. I said to him, now, this is a harsh thing to say, but let's see the truth behind it and be set free. I said, what you actually fear is not having stuff. That's what you fear. And now, because having stuff means something to you. But if you can deal with a, fa- with, with a fact, let's make it a fact, that you're going to lose everything. Let's say you're going to lose everything. Deal with it that way. There was a thing in my heart, you know. I was very scared that my wife or children might die. Because where will I get another wife like this? It's true. It's <laughs> true. So I was scared. Then I, then I was always quoting scripture, my wife shall not die. My wife. But what, was doing, what I was doing is I was using the word to get rid of my fear, but I was never dealing with the fear. Because what the enemy came to do, he says, your wife can die. Your wife can die. Then I came and I spoke to God about it. I said, God, now, okay, what's going to happen if my wife dies? He says, when she dies, I will strengthen you. And you will be able to handle it. And she'll be in heaven, and I'll make you happy. And then the fear was gone. Because that's what I want if I should die, that God would do in her life. She must be happy, isn't it? And that's what God does. So, if you lose your business, what's going to happen? Well, you'll just start one again. Yeah. And you will have food. You will have a place to stay. And you will find in that time contentment and power and empowerment by God. And the one most wonderful thing is that business is never going to preach to you and tell you, listen, you are not the blessed of God. For that business is not the sign that you are blessed of God. For there are people that don't even have businesses. Let me tell you something. There are poor people that will never even have a job until Jesus comes. How must they feel? They cannot live in this world system. But we've got this worldliness, which, is, which I find in my own life, which is a law system that you always want to measure. You want to measure. You want to measure. I want to measure my success by this. I want to measure my success by this. He says, forget about that life. I will give you everything you need. Everything you need. If you need to drive, you'll have the thing to drive. You'll, need, you'll have a place to stay. Whatever is a need in your heart, you'll have it. If there's a need in your heart, make it known to God. That's what the Bible says. If you've got a need, make it known to God. Now, it's not that God doesn't know it, but the moment you make it known to God, you know that God knows. And then you find peace. Because you know God knows now. Because you've told God. <laughs> it's exactly like that. So, if any man serve me, let him follow me. If every man, any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, listen to this, or believe in me, and follow me, 
Him will my Father honor. Now listen to this. Here comes Jesus. He says, You know this thing of you trying to be holy? Hate that. I'll make you holy. Love that and believe that. You that love that and believe that and hate this law system by where you try it by yourself, I'll give you everything and I'll even honor you. <laughs> Imagine that. He gives you everything for free. When you take it, then he'll even honor you for taking it. That is a God you can open your heart to. That is a God that you can trust with your whole life. You honor you. And the way He's going to honor you is with an immortal body. We've made a very small thing of that in the church, the return of Jesus Christ. But that is the end of our salvation. When man fell, he fell from a place of perfection in the flesh. That's how God intended man to live from the beginning. And the end of our salvation is that. And if we can start to see these things, we will have a different value system. And we will not be so caught up with this value system of this world. Because it's a different value system. It's like, um, you, you, you know, I think sometimes when I look at my life, when I, people that I speak to, our, our value system is like, um, like what the, the apostles had. It was valuable for them to be with Jesus. But they didn't understand the value when Jesus said it's time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Which was the actual true value. But they didn't see that. Because they had a different system of what is valuable. We've got the, we've got the greatest teacher. Where, 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 where? You know, our teacher can raise the dead. And your teacher? What can he do? And that's, how many times with Christianity we've got that? Well... In Christianity, we get the sick healed. What is your faith? What can your faith do? Man, forget about that bragging. You know, we're not there to try and compare faiths. We're just simply there to share the love of God and experience the love of God for us where He has glorified us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to end off with that. Mark 10, yes. And uh, I hope I've got the verse right there. Verse 18. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful that He was glorified? You know, when we think He was glorified, we just think of the spooky thing that only happened to Jesus. And then, well, that was good for Jesus. But we don't know that we've been included in that. Hallelujah. And now we've got the Holy Spirit inside us. We have got the, 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 uh, uh, the anointing, the, the Christ inside us, living through us. It's not I that live, but Christ that lives inside me. And that is my whole life. That is the life that I have. I don't possess any other life. That is my life. It's like I said last time, then you look at your body. You say, but um, I don't look like Christ. If I take a diamond and I put it in a checkers bag, that, does that make the diamond a piece of mud? Because it's in the checkers bag. No ways. <laughs> That's what the Bible says, we've got this treasure in earthen vessels. 
so who you look like here has got no indication of what is inside you. It's no indication. You've been fearfully and wonderfully created. It was actually fearfully. David was writing that prophetically. He didn't even know what he was talking about. Fearfully. If you look at Jesus and the fear he went through, so that I could be created in the image of God. I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. The only thing is, stop to look at the thing that says checkers. Look at the diamond inside, for that is who you really are. That is who you really are. And you might say, but why, you know, why all these things? God even came and gave us a scripture in the Bible, not just one, many, that says this treasure is in earthen vessels, so that we will not be confused by what we see with a natural eye. Imagine there was Paul, in jail most of the time. In jail. Paul suffered. Now don't you think there might come a time when you, if you are in jail all the time, or most of the time, writing letters, and then after you've preached in a church, or planted a church for two years, you go to jail and you see how that church is destroyed and basically nothing left. Do you think it can come into your mind that I'm missing it, God? I'm only busy with a fairy tale. Gospel, yeah. How can this be true? Look at the Jewish people. They've got the, 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 the temple. They've got thousands of followers that, that does everything for them. They've got no shortage. Everything is there. But here am I, Paul, the great apostle of God, calling the gospel his gospel. Somebody said that Paul, uh, uh, they, had, they, they had an after-death experience and they met Paul in heaven. And Paul said to them, are they still preaching my gospel? Imagine that almost arrogance, which is actually boldness in the gospel, that's in this man's heart. And there he sits in that jail. But I tell you, you could not, even if, it doesn't matter how small you made the cell where Paul was held, you could never keep him down. Because who he really was, was that message. And that's who you are. You are born of the incorruptible seed, the word of Nothing can stop you. It doesn't matter what you go through. It's no indication of who you really are. You are a diamond. You are valuable before God. That's who you really are. It doesn't matter what who says. You know, so many times when people are in, uh, well-learned and they say something bad about us, we want to believe them. It's just a very learned person that's ignorant of the truth. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Some people are educated above their intellect. And we must understand and know that. It is like that. God's word about our life is the only word that is true about our life. And that man, the man Jesus Christ, was glorified. On behalf of us all. Amen. Mark 10. What verse did I say? Yeah, let's read from verse 17. 
And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now when I read this I want to cry because Jesus functions so much from the understanding of what he came to do. Listen to what he asked the person. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Now so many times we think now, Jesus was actually saying that he wasn't really God. No, no. What he was actually saying, he was asking the person, Hey, are you also seeing that I am God in human flesh? Because you are calling me good. Because there's only one that's good, it's God. Now you're calling me good. Are you seeing I am God in human flesh? Are you getting the revelation? (laughs) He didn't. It was just a way of talking. So many times it's like that with us. With people, not us, people. Everybody. Good master, why do you call him good? Well, there's only one as good as God. Here was God walking in human flesh. My wife and I, we watched this uh, nativity story. Have you watched that movie? Oh my goodness. Go and buy it. Go and buy it and watch it. It is so beautiful. At the end, they, it's, it's all about the birth of Jesus, ending at the birth of, of Jesus. And, um, and, and then the three wise men came. And the first one gave what he, gold. He says, gold for the king of kings. And then incense for the priests, priest of priests. And then what was the last one? Oh yeah, myrrh for the sacrifice. To honor the sacrifice. Amen. Let's honor the sacrifice of Christ. Hallelujah. We can't walk in dishonor to the true sacrifice for us. The the first wise man, you know, when Jesus was born, he, he said, in this movie he said, God in human flesh. What does that mean? It means that God came to glorify you and me. Free from works. I tell you the law has got nothing to do with it. It's God's doing. And we're the victim of His goodness. Hallelujah. Here comes to the rich young ruler. In, in, in Mark 10 he says, he says, he comes and kneels down. What shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Good Lord or good Master. He says, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, it's God. And then the guy didn't, get, didn't have the revelation. So he says, uh, and Jesus wants to lead him to the revelation. He says to him, obey the commandments. What he should have said is, I can't do them. But then, he did them according to his standard. He said, but I can do them. I've done, done it from the beginning. Since I've been a child, I've done all these good things. What do I still lack? There's a great revelation in that. Your little list that you've got, that you think I must do all these things, once you've done them all, you will still feel that you lack something. Thank you, Jesus. What do I still lack? He says, go and sell all that you possess. Give it to the poor. And you'll have a treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. And you'll have eternal life. So what he was actually saying is, don't find any value 
in your own ability. And believe upon me so that you can have eternal life. That is like saying to the richest businessman that's giving the biggest donation in your church, listen, you are trusting in this money so that you can be blessed. Take all that money, give it to somebody else. Because whatever you do right now means nothing concerning you inheriting anything from God. That's what Jesus did there. Then they walked away. And the apostles, now listen to this. This is awesome. And I shared this before, but for those of you that hasn't heard this, um, Verse 22, And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now, I'm not nailing people with money. The, the, the thing here is, it was those who trusted in their own ability to score points with God. Because this guy was very rich. And he thought that the fact that he was rich meant that he already was approved of God. Because the Jewish belief system, go and read Deuteronomy 28 says, If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed, 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 blessed. So here he was, blessed. And obeying the commandments. Obviously, he wanted Jesus to say, you lack nothing, you are rich. So he was trusting the sign of riches to say, the stamp of approval is on your life. Jesus said to him, have no value in that, even give it away. It means nothing. The fact that you've obeyed all the laws to the point that you are even blessed concerning inheritance of eternal life means zero. Means zero. Hate that life. I'm not saying hate money. Hate it to be provided for. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying hate the life that says I trust in what I can do and what I can get right to make me righteous before God. Hate that. And then you come and follow me. And then you'll have eternal life. And Jesus looked around and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. They were astonished. What? What? You want to tell me that a person that has been blessed according to Deuteronomy 28, that has hearkened unto the voice of the Lord their God, that has obeyed everything to the point that they are blessed, can actually not even go in? Who then can be saved? He says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. So I want to tell you, my friend... <laughs> It says here, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished, out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Now many people say, that is a sign, the prosperity guys, that is a sign that the apostles were very rich. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not. 
It was a sign that if you obeyed the whole law, you will still not be saved. That's why they were astonished beyond measure. So they were so astonished you couldn't measure it. It was really like, what is what he busy with? The whole belief system was shaken. So I want to tell you, my friend, never, never trust in anything that happens to you as a sign, as if you have inherited the kingdom of God. When he was, it was time that the Son of Man be glorified. When he rose from the dead and you believed upon his name, you received the Holy Spirit and you were sealed unto the day of redemption as saved and a child of God. Forevermore. Never to trust in anything else. And then the Bible says in John 16, he says, and I end off just with this, you've got five minutes. He says, <coughs> the Holy Spirit will come and he will testify of Jesus. I like the message. It says, he will draw no attention to himself. But he will put all the focus on Jesus. So anything he does, the focus is not, oh, the Holy Spirit is here. The focus is the cross. He'll draw no attention to himself. That's why when you read the Bible, there's very little said about the Holy Spirit. There's even, like with Benny Hinn when he wrote that book, and I like what he wrote there, he said the Holy Spirit is a person. You couldn't even actually, out of the writings of the Bible, there's actually nothing about the Holy Spirit. He was poured out. Now what is the Holy Spirit? How does he work? How does he function? It's not important. What's important for you to know is that you can receive him. That he is the power of God. And that he will manifest and through preaching, through miracles, through whatever, to bring a focus to the cross of Jesus Christ and draw no attention to himself. And please, don't be offended by what I say now, but listen to what I hear. Listen to what I want to say and hear what I want to say behind everything. I'm not against miracles. I'm not against signs and wonders. I, I mean, I pray for my family. We pray for people. We get testimonies frequently of people getting healed. I believe in that. But to come a place where we say we have a Holy Ghost meeting now. Only putting the focus now on the Holy Ghost now. He says he will draw no attention to himself. Rather say we have a meeting about the cross of Jesus. And there will not be confusion in the church. Because there's one point where we focus on. There's one point. I don't, I'm not against praying tongues. I pray in tongues when a lot. I, it's, I walk around on that field there, I pray in tongues, I say thank you, pray in tongues, praying in tongues. You know, when I was with those bikers, because you want to share the gospel with the people. Man. You know, there's such a, the, the, come Lord, thank you for wisdom and knowledge, gift of knowledge, give us, let's share with the people. So we're not against the power, but let's not make the power the focus, and now we've got a different measure all of a sudden, it's not the measure of what I drive anymore, but it's the measure in how loud I can pray in tongues, or how many miracles I have, or how many... It's the same worldly system, we're just taking God's things and 
putting them in the worldly system again. Allow the Holy Spirit to be Himself in your life, pointing you to Christ. He says that He will convict the world, not the church, the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe. So once you're a believer, He's not going to convict you of anything anymore. Then it says, but us who believe, He will lead us in all truth about Jesus. So, to me, the true sign of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is in people having the whole truth. And that goes with signs, wonders and miracles. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that healed it. Isn't it? It was the power of the Holy Spirit that did this wonderful thing in your life. Isn't it? That's it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that works in the hearts of people. We know that, but let's not get so distracted with the phenomena of what the Holy Spirit can do, that we miss the message which He tries to portray, which is the truth about who you are in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Let's close our eyes. Father, your people are so beautiful. They're so precious. In front of me here sit people that is beyond measure valuable to you. If we want to talk about something that is clean and pure, we can look at what you've done in our lives. You've cleansed us with your blood. Thank you that this work that you've done is so powerful that we see fruit manifesting in our lives where we simply just love people by seeing them the way you see them. Father, I want to come right now and just pray for everybody here. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I just believe the Lord says that that, that just that hurt in your heart where people said things about you that's not true. He's just healing that right now by saying to you that you are most valuable. You are precious beyond measure. You bring great delight to the heart of God when He beholds the beauty that's inside you. You are fearfully and wonderfully created. And in the name of Jesus, I remove the lie out of your mind and I give you peace. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody, I don't know who it is, on this side, um, on my left-hand side here, that's struggling a lot. Um, uh, uh, You're worried about finances a lot. The Lord says, look at the birds of the air that neither sow or reap nor gather into barns, yet I feed them. Are you not worth more than they? Are you not worth more than they? And what you go through is not a sign of your unbelief. It's not a sign of my disapproval. You might say, but what is it a sign of? Nothing. He says, I will meet your need and I provide for you, says the Lord. 
for I love you. I love you. I believe the Lord says that even if you... Oh, thank you for this word, my God. The Lord says that even if you were the richest millionaire and you were giving millions to the poor, His love for you wouldn't increase. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you know, if you bless me, then I will do. Forget about that. Thank you, God, that I'm valuable to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For, I, you know, I just feel in my heart. Just put your heart, your hand on your heart. You know, there, there might be people here, you've got needs. You've got needs and, and you feel alone and you feel, man, I don't know how to, to, to get to the end of this. What must I do? What can I do? Um, I, I just want to pray over that right now. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I just come by the power of the Holy Spirit and I declare every need as met. Be it emotional, be it physical, financially, marital things, family, every hurt, it's past. Even the ability for people's minds to continually dwell on the past. I bless them with a mind that can look higher and look upon the cross and look even higher. Look at the resurrected Christ and see the fullness of life inside them. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. I remove all doubt and worries by this word in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare every person you are, you are trouble-free, worry-free, full of kindness and long-suffering and patience and ready, ready, already experiencing the absolute blessing of God which is the attributes of the life of God in your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.